So you're in L.A. I am in L.A. Have you gotten a facelift and a small drug problem yet? (laughs) (laughs) Is that what people do in L.A.? I don't know. Welcome to L.A., where we get facelifts and drug problems. Just a demi, just a little molly, maybe. I think that the most people can hope I get addicted to is like Boniva and um, Unrequited Love. Oh, you're so cute. (laughs) Hello, Drama Club. Do we want to change the name? We talked about it last episode. Do we want to change the name? Should we just call the Drama Club DBU University? DBU Uh, University? I think we should make a post in the Facebook group and be like, let's come up with this. I'm also going to apologize. I'm in a hotel room, so there's going to be a little bit of bounce, but we'll all get used to it. It's fine. But It's the Patreon. They love us. I, Hopefully I, they love us. Uh, Maybe they hate Listen. There are people who hate Listen. God, I don't want to think about that. I don't either, but it's possible. I just, well, I'm just saying that I said they love us. I don't, I don't know their lives. Well, it's don't. okay. Either way, you're here. And you know what? I hope you have a blessed day, even if you hate me, baby. Listen, I'm polarized. You Listen, know what I mean? I well, well, um, <laughs> well. Um, here's what I think we should do. I think we should make a post in the Facebook group and let people come up with names because, listen, we have a fresh start. Yeah. Like, we're business owners. We're Romy and Michelle. We can do what we want. So, like, let's rename it. Drama, even though I understand now that it's drama club like in high school, I, I, right. don't, I don't like that. I don't want no drama in my life. Yeah. Can we call it butt stuff club? No, baby. But I love you. And I accept your life choices. But oh, I'm Oh, so not... you think being gay is a choice? Yeah. yeah. Do you want to talk about it? When did you choose to be straight, Ellen? <laughs> no, that's my favorite thing. What's that guy's name from The Daily Show that I love? They're like... Oh, Jimmy Swagger. He's like, you think being gay is a choice? They're like, yeah. And they're like, and when did you choose to be straight? Silence. Literally. I love the... It's just the best when people use their own logic against them. That's my favorite humor. Oh, yes. That and the dark one. What? Dark humor. Speaking of dark humor, you all, buckle up. I'm going to tell you right now, we might have to go off topic a little bit to give you some ha-has, because this story is not funny. No, it's not. This is one that we... I mean, listen, we take all of our stories seriously, but this is one that is it's it's going to be a little harder. It's going to be a lot harder to get through. It really will. And I'm going to tell you ahead of time, since we're on the Patreon, that I have been in touch with this family. I spoke to the mom of the person in this case, and so I have a very emotional connection, and she's going to sit down with us, and we have an interview scheduled with her. So a couple things I'm going to share are things that she has told me, but I really want her to tell her story. So obviously we're going to recap the episode, obviously because season 11 of Disappeared has proved to be a hot pile of garbage with inaccurate, sometimes unfinished information. So I am going to give you some of my own research at the end, but just know that we are going to have a a good sit down with Mama Robin, who is the mother in this case. But let's go on and get ahead and I'll fill you in as we go. Season 11, episode four, Secrets of Bissonette Street, tells the story of the disappearance of Kristen Galvan. Kristen Galvan disappeared on January 2nd, 2020. The police wrote her off as a runaway. Kristen did not run away. She was abducted and taken, period. This is where Kristen fell into this dark world of child exploitation and child sex slavery. Her family is desperate for answers. It's just the lack of response and return phone calls of our local law enforcement. It's appalling. Unless it's your own daughter, nobody cares. This episode of Disappeared retraces Kristen's last known steps. Finding out that Kristen was on Bissonette was devastating. That kind of evil lurks out there. 
We're talking murders, prostitution, everything. Kristen was coerced. Kristen was lured. Every parent's worst nightmare. I believe I've got to find my baby. The more people who know Kristen's story, the greater the chance of bringing her home. Share on social media. Get the word out. Help find her. Have you seen Kristen Galvan? So we meet Robin Corey, who is 15-year-old Kristen's mom, and she is going to break your heart over and over again in this episode. She's doing a Gregory Hines tap dance on your heart, so just be forewarned. Take some CBD and prepare ye. Yes, your heart will be doing the locomotion and not in a good way. (laughs) And she tells us that Kristen disappeared on January 2nd, 2020 in Montgomery County, Texas while visiting her grandmother. Now, Kristen was born and raised in Houston, We see a picture of Kristen when she was little, and oh, my dear Lord, is she a stunning child. She is so cute. Her mom was like, she had these little Shirley Temple curls. She was just biteable. You know I love to bite little kids. She had a biteable face, and she loved Elvis, which I just think is so cute. And she had two little brothers who she loved dearly. We see this video of them flossing the dance, not the oral hygiene practice. (laughs) And it is so precious. And Kristen is also a singer. Mm -hmm. Mama Robin says that she has the voice of an angel. Um, Kristen was also a Girl Scout. She played sports. She was a great student. The family was a very tight-knit unit. And you can just feel immediately out of the gate how much love there is for sweet Kristen. And Kristen and Mama Robin were on their own for a time because Kristen's biological dad wasn't around since she was about three years old. But in steps, hero Papa Charles, the stepfather, the sweetest man, he came into her life when she was about 10. And he describes her as sweet and fun-loving. And he called her Kiki, which I thought was so cute. I have a friend named Kirsten that I call Kiki. Yeah, so cute. Also, I have an aunt named Kiki. We call her Kiki. And you want to know why? we named her Kiki? After that movie with Julia Roberts? I don't know. <laughs> Kiki, do you love me? No, because her name is Sigrid and we were so little we couldn't say Sigrid. It sounded like cigarette. So uh-huh. we would be like, and cigarette. She's like, just call me Kiki, you little cunts. <laughs> So there was that. I I empathize with Auntie Kiki. I get that. 10 years old is a good age. But listen, there's an age and I'm going through it right now around 14, 15, where kids start being a little more independent, fighting for their independence. At the end of freshman year, she did start to act kind of different. So in 2019, when Kristen started her sophomore year, Kristen did have a shift change in her friends. And that's when Kristen began to skip class. She started distancing herself a little bit from the family, which you have to say is a bit normal. You know? Oh, God. Yes, I did the same thing. I, like, raged against my family. Well, let's just say I was angry about several things that I don't want to talk about, being gay. <laughs> I was angry because I wanted to be gay, and I couldn't be gay. And now I'm gay, and I'm no longer angry. I have no problems. No, you're fine. You're great. Why is anyone asking? So, around the start of her sophomore year, you know, she started skipping class. Her grades started dropping. She started kind of acting like a rebellious teenager, a little bit hanging out with the wrong crowd. She kind of had a new set of friends and uh, 
Mama Robin was not too cool on that. Mama Robin was like, cool, if your grades are going to drop, I'm going to take your phone. And also, baby girl, I'm going to need the passwords to your social media. I Listen, I am in full support of that. Absolutely. Because it, is, it is wild in this day and age, the access that people have to your kids and to you. How many scams do we get sent a day? It's ridiculous. But, you know, our kids are vulnerable. Their frontal cortex is not fully developed. You don't know. You're not thinking about, I mean, I think about when I was on AOL in the 90s and I was chatting with anybody, anybody yeah. uh, who could have been anybody and probably were, and which is why I ended up in a trailer with a man while his grandma was asleep in the bayou. Listen, gather around the campfire, children. When we were young, there was a thing <laughs> called AOL. And there were chat rooms, and you would sit and talk to strangers about things you weren't supposed to know about. It was a wild time, children. That's right, and you could not upload your pictures from a phone. You had to go to the Kinkos, where they put it on a (laughs) floppy disk, and then it uploaded to your computer like this. And it took 45 minutes to find out that most likely this person was unattractive. Yeah, I mean, listen, I love social media. There are things I really love about it, and I wish there was a way to limit what Lola can see. But the fact of the matter is, I'm not with her 24 hours. I did a little bit of research, and the thing this is the thing I don't like about social media. There's a study that I found that says 51% of kids say that they get their insecurities about how they look off Instagram and TikTok. It's like, it. you know how kids look so different from how we look? Like they do their makeup and they've got their hair and they're just like cooler. They get that shit off the internet. So if there is any way to limit that, I am all for it. And Mama Robin did. She found some stuff she did not like on her phone. She'd skip school and I, I said, Kristen, give me your phone. You cannot have social media without me having the passwords. And I began pulling apart her Instagram messages. It was, it was people in her high school, but older. These boys just seem like a bunch of gangsters. And Mama Robin thought, well, okay, she's running with the wrong crowd. But, like, they were offering to give her Louis Vuitton bags, but for what, we don't know. And eventually, Mama Robin found more messages that were concerning, and it led to a big argument. So that brings us to November 1st, 2019. And they woke up and Kristen was gone. Yeah. She left and she left a note and it basically said, I'm off to lead my life. You know, I'm going to go make money. Basically, she was like, don't look for me. I get it. If someone is promising you Louis Vuitton bags and a better life, of course, at 15, you think your parents are fucking idiots. They don't know anything. The amount of times if I took a shot every time Lola told me you just don't understand, I'd be drunk on my bathroom floor every day. I was like, baby, tell me what. I don't understand about the complications, the nuances, the confusion of being 15. You think you know everything. Yeah, when I was 15 and I was pushing back hard against my parents, and I remember my dad saying, well, son, you should go out and make your first million while you still know everything. Right, it's true. Meanwhile, I was going to Jars of Clay concerts thinking that they were cool. I know you don't know who Jars of Clay is, but this will resonate with someone. So I started calling her phone. Of course, I was blocked. I went to log in into her social media and her passwords had changed. And I'm calling the police. The cops said she's a runaway. She'll come back home. They literally didn't do anything. 
please someone explain to me. It is the laziest excuse, which is like, okay, she's a run. Let's say she's a runaway, which she wasn't. We know for a fact she didn't run away. She was coerced to leave with this man. I do have his name. I'll give you the, all the information at the end. That's not being a runaway. That is someone taking advantage of a child. What are you doing, Houston PD, if you're not out here protecting our kids? Like those cops are just over there swimming and all the fucks they don't give about kids. She's a minor. Yeah. She is a minor. It is your job to at least put some energy into this. I really cannot stand when anyone gets a limited amount of information and then they just, well, this is the conclusion. This is it. I'm making no space for new information. Yep. I, you should not be in positions of authority or power if that is the kind of decision making that you're going to make. Let me tell you also, we're going to hear some corrupt shit in this episode today. Listen, I call out the good guys and I call out the bad guys. I am not anti-police. I am pro-helping victims, right? But Google police corruption and you're going to find yourself with a part time fucking job, okay? Because this story is going to run deep. We'll get more information from Mama Robin. But if you for one second do not think police are in on extortion, accepting bribes, soliciting theft, you need to go sit and do your research. Because I'll bet you a million dollars if that were a cop's 15-year-old kid, they would shut down the fucking precinct and find that kid. Oh, absolutely. Well, stepfather Charles was like, it makes you feel terrible because you can't do anything. Hopeless. When I saw that note, I almost knew somebody was in her ear. I had it in my gut. It was a complete nightmare. I was scared. And they get a call eventually from the Houston Police Department letting them know that they have Kristen. Yeah, basically they were like, are you Kristen Galvin's mother? We found her. We picked her up on Bissonette Street. Meet us at Texas Children's Hospital. So for a little bit of information, Bissonette Street is very much kind of like a, for lack of a better word, a red light district area. There is human trafficking. It's this stretch of road that's about 1.3 miles. This is not in the episode. But this is where people are sold into all kinds of human trafficking. Now, when we say human trafficking, there is labor trafficking where where humans are are forced into labor work. And that is a huge business in the Houston area, obviously an illegal area. But it is estimated to be a $150 billion a year industry. And then you have sex trafficking, which obviously we're a little bit more familiar with. And these are people that are literally stealing girls and sending them to have sex for money. And this is what Bissonette Street is known for. It's also boys, too. Oh, sure. I, I mean, yeah. it, is, it is a concept. I, I will never wrap my head around people who don't value human life. It is atrocious to me. Well, the family gets to the Texas Children's Hospital. Um, police are waiting. Kristen is in tears. She's pale. She doesn't look well. She has bruises. She also has $4,000 in cash on her. I don't think I've ever had $4,000 cash in my hand. I don't even no. know what that looks like. Yeah. And the police inform Mama Robin that they believed Kristen had been trafficked. And I just want to say, I cannot imagine as a parent or as a loved one, period, hearing those words about a 15-year-old child that you love come out of a police officer's mouth. My heart broke for them. Yeah. They saw that Kristen was a minor. They picked her up and they kind of felt like some kind of heroes. It's like you weren't out looking 
looking for her because her mom called and reported. It's not like you went out looking for Kristen. You were going up and down Bissonette and you found her. Thank you very much. But you didn't do this for the family. You did this to like get your quota up and everything. Like I'll say my opinion on the Houston PD later. But anyway. And they didn't even recognize that it was Kristen. They just recognized that is someone who is very young. That is someone who is underage who should definitely not be out here. And they picked her up. My name is Caitlin Monty. I was a local journalist and news anchor in Houston, and I was the first person to cover Kristen Galvan's case. Houston has a huge black eye called Bissonette Street. People refer to it as the Blade. It's essentially Houston's red light district. So Mama Robin is like, I just want my baby. You know, we'll ask these questions. We're not going to grill her here. She's in pain. She's upset. All of these things. So they decide that the best thing to do is have her go live at her grandmother's house in Montgomery, which is like 40 miles away, an hour and a half. She didn't want her hanging around these people that she had gotten into trouble with. She wants to put some distance between these bad influences and these people. Mama Robin was speaking to her every day, trying to get to see her almost every day while she could heal and have some space. And so eventually Kristen did open up to her mother about her experiences. And she said, my boyfriend convinced me to write that note. He was buying her purses, but things got very dark very quickly. The boyfriend drove this poor baby to Bissonette Street and she was forced into sex work. And I'm not even going to repeat the things that they forced this child to do, but let me tell you, no human being should ever have have to endure something like that, especially a child. It's scary that there are people out there who are pure evil and have evil intentions, and this sweet baby was literally thrown into a snake pit. She's like, Mom, what they did to me was wrong. Like, I really thought he loved me. Traffickers use what's called the Romeo effect, which is sort of a romantic relationship. It doesn't start off as a threat. And then it's not until you get too deep that you realize, I can't get out of this. Before she went missing, Kristen claimed this boy as her boyfriend. He groomed her. Yeah, she was absolutely groomed. I actually want to have my girlfriend Holly on, who was also trafficked by her boyfriend when she was very young in a very similar manner. And you, I look at her and she's beautiful and successful. And I think, oh my goodness, how did you think that that was what love is? You don't. You're 15 years old. If you love me, this is what you would do. You know, he enticed her with this money and everything and forced her to do awful things. And she was never the same. This poor baby couldn't sleep. She would wake up sweating. She would have nightmares. And how can you hold your baby, your baby, 15, that is a baby, knowing what people have done to her. And this is forever going to be her trauma that she has to live with. I I can't even wrap my head around the pain, not only that Kristen felt, but that Mama Robin felt. Yeah, they brainwashed her. I don't know how Mama Robin isn't in prison because I would just go around committing acts of violence against anybody I knew that hurt. I, I, I can't. I, this is how I know I am a crazy person. Well, no, this is how we know that you shouldn't be in law enforcement, my dear. Yes, this yes. Is, this is how we know. Did he look at you? Yeah. He looked at you. Put jail forever. It's just their babies. When you see Lola, she's a baby. Lola is this almost the same age as Kristen. She's a child. Yeah. Lola still sleeps with a stuffed owl that Rebecca Lavoie bought her. I know. It's so cute. So we called Vice, we called HPD, and they came down, got more statements. We gave them the phone. 
I believed that these detectives were doing the best of their ability to get these traffickers so this wouldn't happen again or to anybody else. And in November of 2019, the Houston PD began pursuing charges against Kristen's alleged boyfriend. More on that later. So at this time, Kristen begins therapy. She's journaling. She's trying to find her path to healing after such a traumatic time. And the family really felt that Kristen was starting to make progress. So it's December 25th, 2019. Kristen had been home for six weeks. She was planning on going back to school after the holidays. And they decide to give her phone back. Of course, there's still monitoring it. And they just felt like she was going to be okay. So it's January 1st, 2020. The family wakes up. Kristen is gone again. The only difference this time, there was no note. They did not know where she was. Yeah, she was still at her grandparents' house and Mama Robin was planning to visit her that day and she gets that call. Kristen is gone. I I cannot imagine the distress and the heartache. Um, And Kristen did take her phone with her. They tried to call. They were blocked again. It had only been a month and a half. Yeah. Well, we go back because previously when Kristen was sort of dealing with all of this trauma, she was so scared and and they were like, what happened? Why are you so scared? And Kristen said, said, you don't understand. They will kill you. They will kill my brothers. They will kill all of you. And so again, she is a baby. She didn't feel safe. She didn't feel like her family was safe because again, the mind games and the manipulation that these men put into this poor baby. Well, and it's what reporter Caitlin Monte comes back to say is like, this world is very hard to get away from because you never do feel safe. And that's why so many people return to that world because they're scared for their lives and the lives of their loved ones. And the second time Kristen disappeared, her boyfriend was in custody. He told police, oh, I had nothing to do with it. I I had no idea what happened. And Caitlin Monte says, once you're tapped by this dark underworld of human trafficking and sex trafficking, it is hard to get away from this network. This is not just one pimp who comes, meets you, and takes you down to Bissonette. These individuals work for essentially a mob, and that network is very powerful and terrifying. And so it is really hard to feel safe again. And many young women and men who get pulled into sex trafficking will return to it over and over because they don't see any way out. And they're threatened that their families and their loved ones could be harmed if they were to leave or do anything that would impact the business. I have more on that later. Oh, God. I have an update about that. And stepfather Charles comes back and says, I believe that Kristen was brainwashed. Yeah. Guess what the police did? They hunkered down. They made flyers. They went to local news stations. They helped the family. JK, they didn't give a shit. They're like, what? She ran away again. She ran away before. We brought her back and she ran away again. And the family was like, fuck you. Mama Robin took her soccer mom ass down to Bissonette and she was handing out flyers. Clearly she didn't belong because listen, Mama Robin went to DBU and she majored I don't give a fuck if this shit is scary and she minored in if you're not gonna do it I sure as hell am and she was out there she straps on a bulletproof vest she drives her fucking red jeep Cherokee and she would walk in and out of stores but here's the thing you have to remember about stores and people in that area everyone is scared nobody wants to be the rat it's true they're all 
connected. And it doesn't matter. I mean, this idea that she ran away, she was abducted. Yeah. She was abducted. And these businesses, these local businesses, gas stations or what have you, they would not allow Robin to post those flyers. Mama Robin was paying people experiencing homelessness to be her lookout. Yeah. She would speak to folks in that area, show them Kristen's flyer, and they would literally say, you are in over your head. To her face, they would say, you are in deep shit. And again, I don't want to tell too much of Mama Robin's story because she is going to come and join us, but Mama Robin was handing out food, money, tampons, Red Bulls. She did not care. But here's the thing we have to remember. This is what our minds can't comprehend. Everyone's in on it. Even if you're not directly involved, nobody's putting their neck out to say anything because they don't want to get hurt. You know, so like... Everything was working against this family, but I'm telling you right now, Mamba Robin is a fucking down bitch. At this point, Kristen had been missing for a year. The police definitely need to be doing more or anything. We're literally casing out the place, you know? We're trying to take it in our own hands because we call law enforcement, the feds, FBI. We call everybody. Nobody helps us. Nobody cares. Unless it's your own daughter, nobody cares do that? How do you do that? I I can't. Well, I think there are positions, right, of power, whether you're a doctor or a police officer or an elected official, right, where you just become numb. You you are used to seeing the same tragedies day in, day out, and you just become numb. I have always said, right, that in Broadway, that if you can no longer do your job, if you can't give 110%, it is your job to leave because you are doing yourself a disservice and you're doing a disservice to the people who pay money to come see that show. It's the same thing as a doctor, as an elected official, as a cop. If you cannot do your job and still leave space for empathy, it is your job to step down. Absolutely. But that's the thing. It's like there are good guys and bad guys everywhere, not just in law enforcement. So Mama Robin was like, fuck this. She hired a private investigator named Betty Simons, also a down bitch. Sadly, Betty knows way too much about this world because her sister was sex trafficked at 14 years old, which sadly led to her murder. So Betty has devoted the rest of her life to trying to save victims and help families. And that is, oh God, I got chills. That is the way that she honors her sister's legacy. This woman is an absolute queen. I've actually recovered 46 missing and exploited children. Somebody has to step up and somebody has to help these children. Our law enforcement is very understaffed. There's only seven detectives in HPD for missing people. You're talking over 8,000 people reported missing a year and only seven detectives to work it. I am sorry. I'm sorry that you are understaffed. You better figure this shit out. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter if you're understaffed. The people are missing. And the, the thing that is so sad is, like you said earlier, if it was a family member of one of those seven detectives, you better believe they would shut down Houston mm-hmm. in order to pursue them. Yeah. I mean, I'm no scholar, but those numbers aren't numbering. You better hire some more people. I don't know. Close down the Dallas Cowboys. I don't know. How close is Dallas? What, whatever you have to do. Those numbers don't make sense. Also, it should be said that the Houston Police Department declined to make a statement for this episode. Oh, I have some words for the Houston Police Department at the end of this episode. Thank God it's on the Patreon because I'd probably get sued. But down bitch private investigator Betty tried to work with the Houston Police Department. Of course, she's got some connections in there. And she's like, hey, I'm working on the Kristen Galvan case. And the PD was like, the what now? Yeah, that made me 
fucking livid. The who? Who's that? Who's that? Of course they don't know because they just put it in a file. They forget the number. People forget these are human beings. So again, Betty, Mama Robin, they make a Facebook group. They hit the social media. They're trying to trace down people because this is actually something that I don't know if people know. There are websites Mm -hmm. selling people. They have ads. They are ads for children. And they have an AI technology that can kind of scan the faces of these thousands of ads. You know how we hear that term, the dark web? Yeah, this shit is the dark ass web where they are selling children. So they're trying to go through and see if they see Kristen's face anywhere in these ads for people, for children. It's estimated around 300,000 ads are placed every single day. So no one could go through all of those. But there are softwares like Traffic Jam that are able to use AI to scan all of these ads and all over the internet to figure out not only where are these ads being placed, but whose face is in them. So in February of 2021, Private Eye Betty sits down with a trusted source from the Houston Police Department, and Betty gives this investigator Kristen's flyer. They use their programs uh, to scan websites, and two days later, they have a hit on a profile that might be Kristen. All right, we need a palate cleanser. I'm sorry. We're we're a comedy podcast, and there's nothing fucking funny about this episode. Joey, let me ask you a question. What do gay men say to other gay men with large penises? I don't know. I knew you wouldn't. Anyway... <laughs> Okay, butt stuff, silly stuff, (laughs) butt stuff. Okay, back to the episode. So this profile that they find, they show the profile picture to Mama Robin and the picture is only half of this young woman's face. But Mama Robin's like, that is her. We have to go and get her. And this ad was in Atlanta, Georgia. So because now they have an idea that she is in Atlanta, Georgia, and she has crossed state lines, this now becomes a job for the FBI. But again, Mama Robin isn't putting any of her eggs in any law enforcement basket. She's like, www.priceline.com. Give me the quickest and cheapest way for me to get my ass to Atlanta because I need to find my baby girl. And back in Texas, P.I. Betty says, We saw that two other young girls were in the ads with Kristen. As Robin's in Georgia... I'm back home in Houston, really trying to locate the other two girls and figure out who they really were, their names, and doing the research on that back end. And Mama Robin goes to that neighborhood, passes out flyers. No one said a thing to her. No one offered any help. Right. So while Mama Robin is like boots to the ground in Atlanta, P.I. Betty has found those other two girls in that picture. Fucking down bitch queen. And she FaceTimes with them and she looks at the pictures and they were like, it does look so much like Kristen. It was so eerie, but it wasn't Kristen. And Mama Robin has to head back to Houston without her baby girl. Just heartbroken. So now we actually see Private Eye Betty in real time headed to Bissonette Street. And she says on average, they see 25 to 30 trafficking victims in this area. But these victims live in hotels for a few months and then they're moved to another city. But sometimes they return. So the goal is to keep checking Bissonette Street in case Kristen returns. And that brings us to April 24th, 2021. And sweet Kristen has been missing for 15 months when they get a tip on Facebook from a woman named Latina. Latasha Robinson. And Latasha gives the family pivotal information. She says, 
I was with Kristen. We were locked up in a house in a basement and I escaped. And then the thing that really gets Mama Robin is she had all kinds of information about Kristen, talking about how beautiful she was and talking about her freckles and her beautiful voice and Mama Robin is just telling us this through tears. She can barely get the words out, but Latasha comes through with addresses. This all seems legit. Latasha Robinson said that there was four girls locked in this house here in Houston. They were all pregnant. Kristen is pregnant. Latasha Robinson said that if the girls tried to run, they would kill their families. Those are the threats that these poor victims are living with daily. So Mama Robin goes to the house. She looks it up online. All the windows are barred outside and in. And the house that Latasha describes, all that is corroborated. It all matches up with the information that Latasha has provided. So Mama Robin really thinks this is a great lead. She's like, oh my gosh, this is exactly like she said it was. And so Private Eye Betty and her team set up surveillance around this house within 12 hours of getting that tip. They didn't really see anyone coming and going, nothing out of the normal. And there is a lot of information left out of this section of the story. I'm just going to tell you guys that now Mama Robin will clear it up, but she gave me some information that spun my head a little. And I, I just want you to know more information is coming and it will be very impactful to you. Yes. And what Private Eye Betty was able to determine was that there was an actual family residing there and something was up. And she starts digging into Latasha Robinson and she does not believe that Latasha is telling the truth. She concluded that Latasha was dealing with addiction and that the man she said was their trafficker was actually her ex-husband. And she felt that this was a ploy to incriminate him. So Mama Robin was very confused as to why someone would make this up. She was devastated. Yeah. Cut to June 1st, 2021. Mama Robin gets a Facebook message from Kristen. And it says, hey, mom, it's me. I need you to go get my baby, your grandchild. They made me dump him in a porta potty and was basically like, mom, please go get your baby. So now they're like, wait, maybe Latasha wasn't lying. And then I immediately did a simple Google search. And this news article had come up that there was a newborn found in a porta potty in Houston. It was a complete nightmare. I was a mess. And of course, she calls the FBI and they decide to do a DNA test on the baby. It took months to get the results. And in August of 2021, the FBI reaches out and says, Latasha Robinson is the one who sent those messages about the baby. After some research, it is determined that Latasha had actually passed away. Why? They don't know. Well, Mama Robin found that out. The FBI didn't find that out. Mama Robin was like, this isn't making sense. You know way too much information. More on that later from Mama Robin. But now Mama Robin is like, who the fuck do I believe? Her head is spinning. All she wants is her baby. She's getting information. And at this point, she's not clear. And quite frankly, I'm not clear whose side law enforcement is on here right now. It's true. And the FBI comes back and says, we have determined that the baby was not Kristen's. Now, this is what I will just never understand because we have all experienced grief on so many levels and I cannot begin to empathize the level of loss and confusion that Mama Robin and her family have experienced. But grief 
breaks you. Yeah. Grief shatters you and your heart in a thousand pieces. And exploiting someone when they are at their lowest like that, I mean, what kind of non-biodegradable fucking garbage do you have to be to do that to someone, to lead someone down a road? Because maybe it was Latasha. Maybe it was her trafficker. Maybe it was some, who fucking knows? But whatever it is, why are you involving the heart of this family in whatever is happening? It is devastating and that behavior we've seen it before right when people say I know where your kid is give me a hundred thousand dollars that is repugnant just taking advantage of the vulnerability of people who will do anything for their loved ones well they're counting on it right yeah. those people are counting on that it's it's very sad and it just re-traumatizes people all over again so now we hit January of 2022 Kristen has been missing for two years and private eye Betty has been checking ads on escort websites it has become a nightly routine for the last two years and that's to check ads every night multiple different cities you know our bigger trafficking hotspots nothing is is hitting with Kristen and if there's no ads they have to consider that Kristen might have been met with foul play it is horrible to think but it does have to be factored in yeah these people don't value human life who knows what happens I mean this is their paycheck but if something goes wrong if someone tries to escape I mean who knows they have no value to these people other than making money and private eye Betty said I did not share that information with the family because I didn't want to devastate them any further but private eye Betty says I have had to start all over because what if I had been looking at this case completely wrong the whole time? You know, I mean, listen, this is their job. They have to go through every scenario. So they go back to her phone. And when Private Eye Betty first got involved in this case, she was looking at it from the perspective that Kristen had been trafficked. But now she looks at the phone numbers belonging to people Kristen was speaking with after she disappeared. Who are these people? And Private Eye Betty realized that some of the people Kristen was talking to were actually John. Right. People that were paying for these children who were purchasing these girls. So they look into them. They go through all the phone numbers and they find the very last person that Kristen spoke to, at least on that phone. What in the freshly cleaned fuck? So there were a bunch of messages and Kristen had a back and forth with this one guy. And then P.I. Betty says he was not very forthcoming with information. He seemed to have a lot to hide. Yeah. I think when you're sexually assaulting young girls, girls, children, minors, I'm pretty sure he's going to hide his perverse, stomach-turning, unpalatable, illegal activity. But the fact is that these are men willing to pay money to rape children. This guy isn't, like, helping you out in any way. No, he's not above board. And something that I didn't consider until it was mentioned on this episode is that in a lot of cases, Johns can be much more dangerous than a trafficker Mm -hmm. because a sex trafficker is looking at a victim as a product that they can make money off of, right? So they're going to make money off of them as long as they possibly can. A John is not invested financially in a victim. They are probably most likely viewing them as expendable. They probably don't even see them as a person. So the last person to speak with her could very well be her murderer. Yeah. And this guy's story keeps changing. And then P.I. Betty says, why would your story change? Change. You know, it's not hard to remember the truth. Right. 
P.I. Betty, but like Mark Twain said, if you tell the truth, you don't have anything to remember, right? Right, right? And listen, if lying was a job to some people, they would be billionaires. Yeah. So th- this man, of course his story was changing because he's fucking lying through his teeth. If you're not lying, your story doesn't change and you don't have anything to hide. It's as easy as that. And because this is an open investigation, Private Eye Betty can't disclose much more information than that. But she did hand over all of her research to the FBI, and she says that they currently are still working on this case. But it's been three years, and not much has been learned. We get on-screen text that says in February 2023, Kristen's alleged boyfriend was sentenced to prison for 27 years for the sex trafficking of minors. More on that in a minute. And we close out with... Mama Robin talking about the fact that Kristen is 19 years old now and she just celebrates her and she is not going to stop until she finds out what happens. And if you have any information about Kristen Marie Galvan or any of the circumstances surrounding her disappearance, please contact the Montgomery County Sheriff's Office at 936-760-5800. You know, I promised her that I wouldn't let anything happen to her. I promised her this after she started to come forth as a baby. These men aren't going to hurt you, I promise you. That's all I want. Just for my baby to be home. So I just want to give you a little bit of update on some research that I did on my own. And then, of course, we will have Mama Robin on here to tell her side of the story. I will say that Mama Robin did not love this coverage of Disappeared. She appreciated the national attention that it got. It's much like when we talked to Papa David, Daniel Robinson's dad. That episode will be dropping Thanksgiving week. They're very appreciative for the national attention that it brings to their children's case. But some of these families are not happy with the coverage and we will add Mama Robin to that list. So when Kristen first went missing, she was dating a man by the name of Arian Jackson and she fell hard for this man. That is the man that she left that first time with. Now, according to court testimony, Jackson kept 12 girls and women in his house in Houston, trafficked them for sex, forced them to earn at least $1,000 a day using drugs, threats of assault to make them comply. And in court, Arian cried and apologized to his victims and his family, and he told the judge he never had a fair chance at life. Well, you do have a fair chance at life. You have a fair chance at life by not hurting and assaulting young girls, so get to fuck with that fucking apology. It turned out... This is what I wanted to tell you before, is that that bitch pled guilty, right? He pled guilty for the leniency of the court. This motherfucker was controlling and trafficking women from prison. If you think it doesn't happen, you are sorely mistaken. Also, his mother was charged with sex trafficking. What? Yep. His mother owned and rented the home where he ran these girls and women out of. So she is also a piece of shit. She was profiting off of these young girls and traumatizing them. And there were also suspicious people that associated with Arian Jackson that were not confirmed to be the last people that Kristen was in contact with, but was in contact with Kristen. 
But that John that P.I. Betty had been in touch with, this was not in the episode, he wiped his phone clean. He agreed to hand it over for forensics. He wiped it clean. There was no information to be garnered from that phone. So there is much more to this story that was not told. And it is devastating. And I will definitely let Mama Robin tell it. But you are never going to convince me that Arian Jackson was not involved in some way, either from prison or from an associate of his that was not involved with whatever happened to Kristen Galvan. Absolutely. That is horrifying. Yeah. Also, to think that you and your mother are trafficking people together, I I, I just don't understand. I cannot put my mind in the mind of evil people. Yeah. I just cannot. And listen, it's mostly men, but there are horrible women. There are horrible people of all shapes, sizes, creeds, ethnicities, colors, backgrounds. There is evil everywhere. So 27 years to me, not enough. Sorry, that's not enough. Not for ruining those girls' lives. And he only admitted to 12. You think I think it was only 12? Yeah, off you fuck like it was only 12. Wow. And also, I want to say, we will talk more about this. If you do not believe that the corruption in the Houston PD, quite frankly, anywhere, does not run deep into those systems, the systems that are keeping abusers, rapists, people... in the drug trafficking world on the streets for a financial kickback of some kind, baby, you you need to rest your head down and wake up a little bit smarter the next day because you are living in naive land. Yeah. This was a lot. This case was a lot. I know this episode didn't have a lot of ha-has, but hearing Mama Robin, I spoke to her the other day. I could have spoken to her for hours, but I, I really wanted to sit down with her so you all can hear what this woman has done for her family. That will be coming very soon. Say something funny. Say something off fucking topic, Joseph. Well, if you're wondering what I am doing here in L.A., if you think I'm making good use of my time, ask me what I did last night, Ellen. What'd you do last night, baby? I took an edible and watched The Sound of Music. You had to go to another state to do that? Yes. It just slaps differently in LA. Oh, boy. All right, y'all, look for our poll on our Facebook. We're going to rename the Drama Club. We want something a little more positive going out into 2024. But you all are here, and we love you to bits. And you know what? Mama Robin and Papa Charles, we love you. We We love you. We're rooting for you. And we want nothing more than for you to bring your sweet Kiki home. We love you. I love you, Joey. I love you too, y'all, and I love you, DBs. We love you, dumb bitches. Bye. 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 Bye.